About war, the question is always asked, why? This great evil. Where's it come from? How'd it steal into the world? That's the haunting, poetic narration from the Terrence Malick film The Thin Red Line, a movie about the battle for Guadalcanal in the Pacific during World War II. You can hear the struggle to put into words the experience, the intensity, and the sheer brutality of war. This is a common struggle for all who experience war, but not all of those words end up as literature. But the diversity of voices in the emerging literature of the Iraq War, 10 years old this month, may speak to something unique about this war and the war in Afghanistan, unique in American history. Matt Gallagher is co-editor of Fire and Forget, a new collection of short stories by Iraq and Afghan war veterans and their family members. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me, John. And also with me is Elizabeth Samet, who's professor of English at West Point. Elizabeth, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be with you, John. And do we want to remind people that your opinions uh, that you express don't represent those of the military academy or the army or the Department of Defense, just to make your uh, superiors feel a little better. But uh, uh, anyway, thanks so much for being here. Sure. Matt, let's start with this collection. What is different about the voices that have emerged from this war, do you think? Sure. Um, well, specifically, you know, this is the first – these are the first protracted wars fought by an all-volunteer force, you know, uh, less than one-half of one percent. Uh, so that really uh, uh, puts a totally different spin on the writing that's going to emerge. Uh, further, you know, it's been over 10 years of war, two different fronts. Uh, so there's, a, there's no one narrative. There's no one story to emerge out of these wars, and, and, and that's part of what we were doing with Fire and Forget. We wanted to get a, a kaleidoscope of, of viewpoints and experiences and a range of stories uh, into one collection to give readers a, a fuller idea of uh, what these wars were all about and their effects on, on the people that fought, fought in them. And you have a very chilling story right at the beginning about the lingering effects of IEDs, mm-hmm. improvised explosive devices, a very chilling tale about a wife welcoming her husband back after a deployment mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, woven in with the tips for making a successful reuniting of a couple, mm-hmm. um, apparently tips from the army. That's an amazing story. And your story is pretty amazing. The idea that uh, bugs don't bleed, a scene in that story, you talking to a child or a soldier talking to a child mm-hmm. who asks, did you kill anyone? And he goes, well, no, maybe some bugs sometimes. And the child says, well, bugs don't count. Mm-hmm. All the, the only things that count are things that bleed. Right. Um, how did that story help you to make sense of this war? And what are people's reactions to it? Yeah, you know, the seed for my story uh, really started uh, as I was transitioning out of the Army uh, in, back in 2009. Uh, and many of my soldiers uh, were going back, uh, preparing to go back to war. And, and I uh, started thinking, you know, war we often think is just something people go to and then come back from. Uh, that's not the case, that it's something that lingers within them for the rest of their lives and for the lo- with the lives of their loved ones. And further, in just the way these wars have played out, more often than not, uh, we've had uh, veterans uh, go to war for a year, come back, go to war, come back three, four times. And I just asked myself, what kind of effect, psychological effect would that have on, on a good, caring person uh, that, that, want, that joined up for the right reasons and, and, and wants to do well, in, uh, well by the world? Matt Gallagher is co-editor of the story collection Fire and Forget about the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Elizabeth Samet, what do you make of these stories? You teach military literature as a way of getting uh, members of the academy at West Point ready to go off to deployments. But this is something fundamentally different. 
Well, I think Matt alluded to one of one of the key differences, which is that there hasn't been a punctuation mark yet. There hasn't been um, some way to call call this over. Um, and I think that this idea that uh, soldiers commute back and forth, um, I've had several tell me that uh, they sort of feel like they're war commuters. And that idea that uh, it isn't a simple transition from war to peace, that transition is hard enough to begin with. But it's a, this idea that, as Matt suggested, people carry that war back with them. Um, and there's no sense in which it, it's really over yet. Or even though we've there have been several ostensible punctuation marks, um, none of them has really ended anything yet. Do you think that's why so many of these stories seem to be about the transition, much more even than the battles uh, that took place, uh, you know, 10, 9, 8 years ago? I think it manifests itself in that uh, even the way the stor- some of the stories are told in that they bounce back and forth, um, flashing back backward and forward to the two different settings, which are at once very different and yet seem to bleed into one another in the mind of the soldier or the Marine. There's even an author here who takes a stab at humor. Um, tell me about that story and how you edited it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's Perry O'Brien's uh, Poughkeepsie. And it's about a soldier uh, recently returned uh, uh, from Afghanistan uh, that's uh, uh, taking the bus uh, up to Poughkeepsie uh, to meet a college student that he's been riding back and forth with. Uh, And uh, he uh, envisions uh, training an army of rabbits uh, to deal with this very foreign environment. You you can imagine how uh, different a a peaceful college campus would appear uh, to a young veteran uh, just back back from a war zone. Uh, And the only way he can't he can't. Uh, conceptualize dealing with the the students and the professors that populate uh, populate that campus, but the uh, the rabbits that populate populate the campus grounds, he he can deal with that. Mm. Do you think stories like these are about healing or about signifying what happened, letting people know stories that they wouldn't otherwise hear, Elizabeth? I actually I think they can potentially function on both levels. There is a sense, and I think the editors mentioned this, that there is a sense that writing can serve as a kind of therapy, but that as a work of art, it does something else. It does something for the audience that receives it. And I think that this is a story that really does need telling, in part because so few people have fought this war and also um, simply because of the way it was framed for us as a nation. Thinking about stories from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan with Elizabeth Samet, professor of English at West Point, and Matt Gallagher, co-editor of the new story collection, Fire and Forget. Literature that makes sense of war or brings the people far from it into the battle in some small way. For Brian in Southfield, Michigan, it's Red Badge of Courage, a book which helped to begin America's understanding of the horrors of the Civil War. Maria in Hollywood, Florida, said her understanding of World War II was deepened by the writing of Soviet poets Alexander Svardovsky and Konstantin Simonov. This Simonov poem is one of the most famous in Russia. Wait for me and I'll come back. Wait with all you've got. Wait when dreary yellow rains tell you you should not. Wait when snow is falling fast. Wait when summer's hot. Wait when yesterdays are past. Others are forgot. Wait when from that far-off place letters don't arrive. Wait when those with whom you wait doubt if I'm alive. I went to Iraq twice with the U.S. Army, and my personal experience is that this war really changed the way that their military works and not necessarily 
in a better way. I think it had a lot of false lessons that it taught people. And I think it overall really weakened us as a country and as a military. Thanks to Mark in Orlando, Florida. You know, each of your stories form part of the quiet body of literature on the war in Iraq and its aftermath. And as we've heard this hour, war literature speaks across time. War and peace. I think one of the major themes of that book is the difference between civilians take on a war and the soldiers take. And I think today we're living in a time when the uh, divide between soldiers and civilians is pretty great. Again, the Russians. That's from Michael in Seattle. Christina in Oklahoma chose something from the work of Samuel Clemens. Mark Twain's short story, The War Prayer which I read as a teenager during the Vietnam conflict, and it seems that every armed conflict that comes out, I reread that short story. It still is with me today, and it formed my opinions about armed conflict. Oh, armorer of righteousness, make them to be bold and full of confidence. Render them invincible in the bloody onset. You know, when we began this series of conversations looking back at 10 years since the U.S. invaded Iraq, we thought of the book by Tim O'Brien, The Things They Carried, about Vietnam. That book begins like this. The things they carried were largely determined by necessity. Among the necessities or near necessities were P-38 can openers, pocket knives, heat tabs, wristwatches, dog tags, mosquito repellent, chewing gum, candy, cigarettes, salt tablets, packets of Kool-Aid, lighters, matches, sewing kits, military payment certificates, sea rations, and two or three canteens of water. The things they carried brought the experience down to the level of the individual soldier, the hardships they faced, and not just in the war zone, but with a society that expected them to return unchanged and unscathed. Thanks to Randy there from Warren, New Jersey, and for Aaron in Portland and Glenn in Commerce, Michigan, the book that changed their view on war was Catch-22. I've flown 35 missions for Christ's sake. Now that sadistic nut has raised the number up to 50. In any other outfit, I would have been rotated after 25. Doc, you've got to help me out. Look, I'm due for rotation myself in a couple of months if, if I don't cause any trouble or break any rules. And one of the rules says I can't ground anyone just because he asks me to. Can you ground somebody who's crazy? Of course, I have to. There's a rule that says I have to ground anyone who's crazy. I'm crazy! Who says so? George in Plano, Texas, was one of many listeners to also suggest all quiet on the Western Front about World War I. I'll tell you how it should all be done. Whenever there's a big war coming on, you should rope off a big field, and on the big day, you should take all the kings and their cabinets and their generals, put them in the center dressed in their underpants, and let them fight it out with clubs. The best country wins. One of my personal favorites is about World War I. Wilfred Owen, Anthem for Doomed Youth. What passing bells for these who die as cattle. Only the monstrous anger of the guns, only the stuttering rifles, rapid rattle, can patter out their hasty horizons. No mockeries for them from prayers or bells, nor any voice of mourning save the choirs, the shrill, demented choirs of wailing shells and bugles calling for them from sad shires. Share your stories of the books and literature that gave you understanding of war. 877-8-MY-TAKE. Continuing now with Matt Gallagher, co-editor of Fire and Forget, a brand new collection of short stories by Iraq and Afghan war veterans and their family members, and also Elizabeth Salmon, who's professor of English at uh, West Point. Elizabeth, I suspect you may be gratified to hear there in the voices of our listeners just the power that this kind of literature has. Of course, and and so many of the texts mentioned, especially uh, Catch-22 and War and Peace, 
Tim O'Brien's book uh, have such important resonance today. And I, I often read those books or discuss them with my students. And doing that has enriched my understanding of them. And doing that during this war has actually changed some of those books for me in, in deep ways. The idea that you read, maybe you come to those works first during peacetime and then read them again and their, their meaning shifts, uh, the points of emphasis seem to shift. Matt Gallagher, do wars talk to each other across time through literature? Oh, absolutely. I, w- I was sitting here in the studio listening to your listeners uh, uh, li- list those books and smiling to myself, uh, the, the themes that resonate uh, uh, throughout and, and uh, so many similar experiences, not just of my own, but uh, but of the fellow writers in Fire and Forget. Uh, there, there's something shared there that, that uh, uh, the, rest of, the rest of culture and society can't really tap into. And it's such a hugely important insight, it seems to me, Elizabeth, uh, about war and peace. It's about that separation between civilian society and uh, military society, and that's what we're living today. I think that's right, and I I think that's part of the reason that uh, these sorts of books are are so important in that they help to communicate – in different ways, perhaps, ways – we're saturated with images, of course, uh, of the war, but that's not really quite the same thing. And I, I think we've, we've kind of grown numb to them or we've, we've shut them off in some deep way. Uh, but these stories, especially those that trace that, uh, that story of coming home again, I think situate the war um, within our own society and force us to think about the people around us who have fought it and the fact that they do in many ways bring the war back home to us. Do you agree with that, Matt? The pictures don't say anything anymore? Oh, I, I do. Uh, uh, Professor Samet is certainly uh, spot on in that. And, and that's what we're trying to do uh, uh, with this collection is, is to do, try to tap in uh, to something different. You know, uh, Professor Samet and your listener, uh, one of your listeners mentioned uh, the separation between uh, the military and, and, the, and civilians in these current wars and, and the similarities with war and peace. Uh, story in Fire and Forget called New Me is about a, a soldier that suffered a traumatic brain injury in a roadside bomb and, and is trying, literally trying to piece his uh, life back together memory by memory uh, back here in the States. And, uh, and the, the, the lingering themes in, uh, that it shares with Tolstoy are, are uncanny. Hmm. You know, one of the things that is interesting to me, Corby Bazell, who's in this mm-hmm. collection, started his literature from the war while he was in combat, when he was blogging. There are a lot of soldiers who began their narratives of war when they were inside tanks and mm-hmm. still had Wi-Fi connections to the internet, right? And I, I think that's uh, uh, just a new con- uh, a, a new rendition of a very old uh, uh, thing that occurs in war. It's just a new type of diary, a new type of journal, a new type of letter home. Uh, it's just something that's been shared on the internet with uh, with the wider world to read if 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 they care to. What do you think the value of these kinds of instant journals is, Elizabeth? Well, it's interesting. As Matt suggested, it is a variation on an old theme in that you think about World War I poets uh, writing their poems in, in notebooks and scrap paper uh, in the trenches or T.E. Lawrence on the back of a – in the British Library, there are uh, some of his works and they're written on the backs of pads of supply forms, blank supply forms, um, taking his notes there. I think those have an immediate power, but I also think that there is a great value in uh, – building in that time for reflection and that the story, when it is filtered through some space and time, uh, is usually deepened and uh, made richer. Well, Elizabeth Samet is professor of English at West Point, um, thinking about literature both that precedes the deployment of uh, soldiers and officers and 
the uh, stories that are told when they come back from war. Matt Gallagher is co-editor of Fire and Forget, a collection of stories that's all about this. Matt, Elizabeth, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? And maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts.